0: You are listening to Overcomer's Church International Podcast. Here at OCI, we are dedicated to our vision of building strong people and building strong churches. From wherever you are listening, we hope this message leaves you equipped and encouraged. So, Go with me to Romans chapter 4. <clears throat> I totally shifted gears in worship. Well, while you you all were worshiping, the Lord was rearranging me, which sometimes that's what worship is about. <laughs> you come to the Lord and He's like, by the way, I've got the 17 things I want to talk to you about here. So Romans chapter 4. As a matter of fact, let's pull up the core value of faith. I think we did it. We did a rearranging and I think we can pull it up here. So this, I want to read this declaration about faith before we move on so I don't forget to read it because this is our declaration about our core value of faith. And it is this, I will maintain an attitude... That God is well able, everybody say well able, to meet all needs in every area of life. I will respond to every situation in faith knowing that Jesus has paid the price and it is no problem for God. So when we're talking about core values, what we're talking about is the way that we behave based on the way that we believe. And so behavior is important because it will determine culture. And I don't I don't like to focus a lot on the, on the outward, but if you can change something and make it a value on the inside, it will work its way out. And so if we can just have this robust kind of faith that no matter what we face, no matter what any problem anybody has, that we can just say, you know what, it's no problem for God. That right there, that thing you're dealing with, I know it's bigger than you, but it's no problem for God. As a matter of fact, we had a situation this morning, and I, I love it because this is just the... Uh, the, the the culture of, of our church uh somebody came in with with broken ribs and prayed and then what happened partial, man- partial manifestation still some, pain. some pain still prayed again, prayed again. All the breathing was yep the movement, the pain was gone. and then the pain was gone yep everything started to turn normal and all the pain was gone and the person knew they had broken the ribs because of some different things that that were going on totally he totally healed you know why? Yeah, amen. Give God praise. You know why? It's because there was already built in a that's no problem for God. That's we're faith people. We believe God and God does things. Hallelujah. Amen. And so this is something that's just supposed to be built in us at, really just as believers. But this is one of the things in the church that we've said, we're, we're latching onto this and this is how we're going to respond to everything. And really, it's very right for overcomers to do that anyways. You know, when God gave me the name of the church, it, was, it really was glorious. I mean, I had prophecy, I had scripture verses, I had a, a dream from somebody else. You know, Ron had this dream that um, it was written down on a yellow piece of paper. And I was like, what was the name on it? He's like, I don't know. He said, I couldn't read it. I was like, Man, God, I just want to know because I knew God was changing it. And, and he said, the Lord's going to tell you that. And so I wanted it to be easy and it wasn't. And so finally, one morning I woke up. And the Lord, I started singing this song about uh, the Jeremy Camp song, uh, We've Overcome, or something, whatever the words are. <clears throat> and I've been playing that and singing that. And then um, I just got up really quick and to go and write all the series of events with the words and the scripture verses and things that, that God had had uh, placed on my heart and words that people gave me. And I'm writing it all down. And when I get down and I'm writing the part about Ron had the dream, I realize I'm writing it on a yellow piece of paper and I did not do that intentionally. It just so happened I was writing it on a yellow piece of paper. It was glorious. But then after all of the glory faded a little bit about the name, it's was like, wait a second here. If we're overcomers, that's what God calls us, that means we're going to have some stuff to overcome. It became a little more of a reality and a little less exciting at that point. But the awesome thing is, is that we serve the overcoming God. And if he tells us we are something, then that that is who we are. That is what we are. That's in our DNA. That's the part that God says, "I've I've placed this inside of you. And no matter what comes against you, you're going to be able to overcome it. That's good. No no matter what the discouragement, no matter the negative word, uh, the the bad press in the city of Perryville, you know, whatever whatever it would be, we can overcome all of it because that's who we are. That's what God says about us. I want to share this one quick word. I felt impressed. I thought I was going to share this later on. We're going to come back to Romans 4. I want to share this very quickly. I thought this was really good, and I believe this has a lot to do with um, uh, our nation, but the church as a whole. And I want to read this because I was reading in Daniel... Um, getting ready to just minister on excellence. And Daniel is, a, is one of the best examples of a person of excellence in the Bible. And uh, But as I was reading, uh, I found something that I really, I'd never saw before. And I'm not going to take time for you to even turn there, uh, to have him pull it up. But let me just read this really quickly. This is Daniel chapter 3. And in verse 19, I'm just going to read a few verses here. It says, uh, so again, Daniel 3.19, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, because they wouldn't bow down, remember? And he spoke and commanded that they, that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. Listen, the enemy is turning up the heat on the church but it's going to backfire. Watch this. It says, He commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, their turbans, and their other garments and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. The enemy always overplays his hand. It says, therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed the men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And when I was reading that, I just felt like the Lord said that's what's happening in our nation with a lot of the perverse and crooked things that are going on. And I'm going to tell you now this is true of who we are. The enemy can come against us, but he always overplays his hand, and they can even try to throw us in the fire. They can throw us in the fire, but it's not going to touch us, and we're going to come out without even the smell of smoke on us, and the enemy is going to be the one that's overturned, and he's going to be destroyed in the midst of it. And I'm going to tell you now how much more for overcomers, because that's what we are. Romans chapter 4, I want to go to verse, let's start in verse 13. I wish we could just start at the beginning of this chapter It's so amazing, but let's start in verse 13. It says, Romans 4 and 13, and for the guys in the back, uh, we'll probably go down to the end of the chapter, which is verse 25, if you can pull that up. It says, For the promise that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. This is really, really, really important. It was not through the law. What was the law? The law was what God commanded that they do, that they had to manifest in their ability. The law pointed to God's standard, but it also pointed to man's inability to, to fulfill that standard. Does that make sense? So it says that the promise didn't come because of man's ability. This is how you can read that. For if those who were of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect. Here's how you can put this into our terms, is that if the promise comes because of your ability then God's faithfulness is of no effect. But things don't come to us because of our ability, it's because of His ability. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Now listen to this in 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to what? Grace. Grace. Know this, that faith outside of grace turns into works. Because if you're believing and hoping and believing and praying and commanding and confessing and standing and praying and fasting, and there's not a real true trust at a heart level in God's ability to see the thing through, then you're going to find yourself frustrated and ultimately your trust is in your ability, or I'm just all of us, our trust would be in our ability to be at some level of faith to make it come to pass. When indeed the thing that really has the power in it is not our faith, but it's God's grace. And our faith is simply a response to God's grace. It's a response to the power of God. I've heard people talk about in times past about like pry bar faith or like this kind of faith. And I know Jesus talks about faith that can move mountains. But if you think about it, we don't have any ability to move a mountain. Does anyone in here have an ability to move a mountain? Outside of God, you definitely do not. Amen. None of, none of us do. And so sometimes people will get this mentality of like, you know, you can just, um, you know, you can just really work it and you can pry it and you, can, you get in enough faith and then finally God will do something. No, actually God's grace is already given in abundance and our faith is a response that causes grace to manifest in our life. That's really basically how it works. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace. So that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls those things which do not, which do not exist as though they did. Now let me say this first about uh, verse 17. And it says, that I have made you a father of many nations. I've ministered this before, but this is I like to hear myself say this, so I'm going to say it again. When Abram was, you know, he was named Abram and God changed his name to Abraham. This is something, you you have to understand this. In our day, names don't mean what they did back in the Bible. I mean, you take all of the names and it was like, like Jabez, for example, it was like, you know, his mother had a lot of pain whenever she gave uh, birth to him. So she named him Jabez, which means like born in pain or painful or something like that. So it's like, you know, basically everywhere he walked around, he's like, I- I'm a pain, you know. I mean, there was identity attached to their names. So back then, names, I mean, it meant everything. And so when God said, I'm going to change your name to Abraham, it wasn't because he didn't like the name Abram or something. It was because he was wanting him to have a different identity in a different confession come out of his mouth so that he would begin to believe because what you speak, eventually you will believe. This is why when you when you learn to change your language, eventually it will change what you believe. Eventually your heart will come in line with what you believe, even if you don't believe it at first. This is like where you can have a person that they'll tell a lie and they'll know it's a lie, but then they'll start telling that lie long enough. Eventually they, they believe it. I got a couple of people in that I know that are like that. It's like, wait a second, that that was never true. And it's still not true now, even though you believe it. But if you say something, eventually you will believe it. And so what God was saying is that you are no longer Abram, you are Abraham. And he was saying that your name is Abraham. And he wasn't saying that you will become that. He said, you are that. There might not be any physical proof at the moment Abraham but I'm telling you no your name is no longer Abram but is Abraham which means the father of many nations. even though your wife is barren, you're too old to have children and you're not able to do to, to participate in whatever all the things that want there's nothing there that has any capacity for you to give birth and be the father of many nations but yet I'm calling you that anyways. God didn't come. Jesus didn't come. The Holy Spirit wasn't given to us to make uh, difficult things easier. He came to make impossible things possible. So it literally doesn't matter what you're facing. If God's word is in it, then his grace is on it. And if you put faith in that, it will come to pass. This is the exact reason why God changed Abram's name from Abram to Abraham. Because then every time he went around, he wasn't saying Abram, he was saying Abraham. He was saying, my name is Abraham. And he, of course, he had to, he had to learn to, to walk in it and step up to it, because you're talking about a guy that was supposed to believe God to birth a whole nation out of him and his very old wife. <laughs> and he tried to pawn her off as his sister on at least two occasions. I don't, I don't, he didn't start off in faith, Right. He had to get his way, he had to work his way there. That's why God knew he had to change his language. He had to change what Abraham was speaking because if he hadn't, it never would have come to pass. Because we are, we're either going to uh, be destroyed or we're going to manifest blessing depending on what we speak out of our mouth. So God actually was, he was sneaky and he, he forced Abraham to say it because he changed his name. And so every time he went somewhere and he said I'm Abraham, probably in the back of his mind he's thinking this is ridiculous. At least to start, I can't even believe I'm saying this. I'm not I'm not a father of many nations, but God told me to say it, so here we are. I'll say it, God. And there was, you know, some bumps along the way. That's where, you know, Hagar and Ishmael came in. Abraham tried to do it all on his own. And Uh, well, not on his own. He had Hagar there and it produced something, but he tried to do it out of the arm of the flesh, out of his own strength, not trusting the Lord. And so then it produced something that was a work of the flesh. How many of y'all have ever done something that was a total work of the flesh? It's like God gives you a word and you're like, yeah, and you move forward and you're like, wow, I really messed that up. All right. let Let me go back to the word. God, what are you saying? And what am I supposed to do? And what am I not supposed to do? We've all, we've all been there, and praise God for his mercy and his grace in those kind of times because we've all been there. But he continued to, to proclaim, and I believe the time period was about 10 years from the time God said, I call you this before the manifestation of Isaac actually came. You can correct me if I'm wrong on my time, but there was a, there was a period of time for certain, and they were 70, I believe it was 80 and 90 years old or 70 and 90 years old when they got the promise. Who can tell me? I can't. Every time I preach this, I go, why don't I go look it up? Huh? 75? 75. 75. They were really old. They were too old to have children, whatever it was. So 75, and then I thought she was 10 years younger. Yeah, okay. So they were basically too old to have children, but that, that wasn't a problem for God because he's not interested. When he wants something to come to pass, he's looking for people to cooperate and to simply trust him. He's not looking for people to have all of the goods and all the stuff to make it happen. If he was, he would have picked like, you know, two 20-year-olds that were just ready to go. They were, you know, in in the prime, she's fertile and all that stuff. But he didn't. He picked two people that at that point were, you know, whatever. You fill in all the blanks and, you know, it was impossible. But God said it was possible. And it says, listen to this, who gives life to to the dead and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Now here, faith is not this. Faith is not saying that something is so even though it isn't so, and if you say it long enough, it will become so. There's people that might take this verse and do that to where it's like, I know I'm not healed, but if I will say that I'm healed and I say it long enough, then eventually I will be healed. That's actually not the right perspective on that. Because if you're doing that, it's like, all right, well, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Eventually, if I say it, you know, if I say it long enough, eventually it will become true. No, what is true is what God has said. And if you say it long enough, you will manifest what God said. Because when you say it and you say it and you say it, eventually you'll be in faith. Faith will correspond with God's grace, which is his provision that's already given. And that's when the miracle takes place. That's when the thing is able to happen. That's how, that's how faith works. But sometimes we get this mentality when we're praying for something. And I think it could come from just you know, not understanding things or maybe some wrong faith teaching. But it's like, if I could just, if I'll just say it, I'll speak it, I'll speak it, I'll speak it. We think sometimes that because we're speaking, God's, it's, like, it's like God's like going, okay, well, they're almost there. And if they'll just keep doing it, then I'm finally going to pour it out. No, it's the speaking is to change us, not to change God. Speaking doesn't change God's mind. He's already spoken. His mind's already made up. It actually changes our mind. It changes our heart. It changes our thinking. Amen. That's what it's there for. When he told Abraham, he called him, Abraham, you are the father of many nations. Even though there's a time period in God's mind, what he spoke was already a reality in the spirit. Even though there was a period of time, whenever that period of time was, there was a period of time before it manifested God wasn't saying that Abraham will become. He was saying, Abraham, you already are. That is who you are. It's part of your identity. It's part of what I say about you. And it's part of what you are going to produce on the earth because my word is already spoken. It's a done deal. My grace is on it. It's more than enough. It's more than sufficient. I just need you to believe. And God wasn't confused about where Abraham was. I mean, listen, any guy that would would try to save his own skin by saying, oh, it's not my wife. It's actually my sister. Isn't she beautiful? If you need to take her, go for it. Because they were, he was concerned that that when they had to go into these places, that they would kill him. Because apparently she was very beautiful, that they would kill him, and you know, uh, and take her as as their wife. So that's why he was like, oh no, she's not my wife, because he wanted to save his own skin. I don't think that was a guy that was really trusting the Lord. I don't, know, I don't know about what you all think, but I don't think Abraham was really trusted. The Lord knew where he was. Listen, God knows where you are when he gives you the promise. He knows your current level of faith. So what you need to do is take the grace, take the word that has all of the power, all the anointing, all the grace, all of the ability of God in it. Take that word and just begin to agree, and you will increase in your faith, and you will manifest what God says. But understand this, that it's already done in the spirit. It's already true. It's a true reality in the spirit. And so when it says that by the stripes of Jesus we are healed and we're needing to manifest healing in our body, our confessing doesn't make Jesus go and take stripes on his back. He's already taken the stripes on his back. Our confessing gets us to believe it to the point to where we actually actually see it come into manifestation. And because we speak it, and we speak it, and we speak it, and we speak it, our heart becomes so hardwired, we just can't believe anything else. Amen. Man, that's some good preaching. Now listen to this. Well, I want to say this. It says that he calls those things which do not exist as though they did. Right before that, he says he gives life to the dead. How many of you all know that once something is dead, it's dead, it's crossed over to a certain point where there is no coming back? You know what this says? What I just said, that he, he's here to make things that are completely impossible actually become a possibility, become a reality. He can take something, no matter what it is that he says to you, no matter what promise he has given to you, whether it's a promise specific for your life, that he says, I want to give this to you, I want to tell you this, and I want you to walk down this road, or it's just simply a promise that you take from the scriptures. Every single one of those promises, no matter how impossible it is, with God, all things are possible. It's no problem for God. It says here in verse 18, "...who contrary to hope, in hope believed," so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. So shall your descendants be. It says, who contrary to hope, in hope believed. I wish I had time to go into a whole message on hope here, but let me say this about hope. Hope is, you can't have true Bible faith without true Bible hope. Because Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says that now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Faith has substance, but it comes out of, it's of hope. It's kind of like you can't have butter without milk. Now, you can have fake butter or whatever, but I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about real true butter. It comes from milk, right? I'm not really good at where all the food stuff comes from. So this analogy just came to me. I'm like, Lord, that's Holy Ghost, but let me make sure I'm really on it. Butter comes from milk, right? As it's churned or whatever, and you can pull off the, the cream off the top and whatever. How all that works? Well, you can't have that without milk. You cannot. We cannot have true Bible faith without hope. Without true Bible hope, and Bible hope, God's kind of hope is not. I'm a hoping and a wishing and a praying, and I just there's a glimmer in there somewhere. There's you know I see some light. That's that's not it. This is what hope is in a nutshell, and then I'm going to move on. This is extremely important. Hope is taking your imagination, it's taking your mind, and it's picturing, it's imagining, it's thinking, it's meditating on what God says before you actually see it in the natural. So, for example, if you're believing God for a bill to be paid, and you've got this bill whatever it is. You know, you can, you can see bills paid through faith. There could be other things that work in there, but you can pay bills through faith. Now, if you're sitting at home and not willing to work or help or do anything like that, I, you know, get off your keister and do something. Amen. There's a right place for work and there's blessing in, in working. But listen, when you've done all you can do and there's something that you're facing, you can actually pay bills with faith. I've never said that before in my life. That is the truth though you can pay bills with faith. You know how? You can go in and imagine, okay, I've got this $10,000 bill. And it could come different ways that God brings the money to you or whatever, but faith is the thing that actually opened up the doors to where the, the blessing was, was released. But you can take that and you can begin to imagine that bill being paid and you think about that debt being erased, and you just meditate on it and think about it, and think about the blessing of God. Think about maybe people would come and gift you with something. Maybe God would give you a job supernaturally, and to where, boom, you just made a bunch of money really quick. Maybe it would be that, that you know you, you gained an inheritance that you didn't even know, and it was blocked supernaturally, and it just got released. But you begin to imagine this thing and you imagine it enough, now all of a sudden, because your imagination is intact, because listen, God doesn't work outside of what he's given us. He's given us an imagination. The devil uses our imagination. God uses our imagination. That's why he gave it to us. And so because you've got all this built up of like, wow, God could do this thing. Now faith has something to pull from. Because otherwise, what most people do with, with faith, with believing, is they're like, I confess and I believe. And then all, what's going on in their mind is like, oh, I don't, I don't know how this bill is going to get paid. <laughs> I just, uh, well, what, it's really a, like a false faith. It might be coming from a good heart. I'm not saying that. But, but it's not really rooted and grounded in real, true Bible hope. And if you are going to be in hope, what is contrary to hope, like Abraham was, it means that even though things in the natural are speaking one thing, you go in and you begin to think and to meditate and to ponder on what God says. And before you know it, on the inside, you believe it so strong that you'll speak it, and then that's when you'll start to see it come to pass. This is why God, God used hope with Abraham. He said, as many as the sands of the seashore and as many as the stars in the sky, so shall your descendants be. He said, Abraham, oh, jeez. He said, let me give you some hope so that your faith will work. He didn't just say you'll be the father of many nations. He said, not only will you be the father of many nations, but it will be as innumerable as the sands of the seashore. You ever been on the beach before? Who could count the... the, No, you couldn't. I mean, it's impossible. And even the stars in the sky, they still can't count all the stars in the sky. In the Milky Way galaxy alone, there's there's, uh, at least 10 billion trillion stars. And that's just in the Milky Way galaxy. That's not the rest of the universe. You can't number all of that stuff. So he was telling Abraham, he said, look, he said, as as many as you can count, (laughs) that will be your descendants. In other words, he was saying, you can't count those, and you're not even going to be able to number all of your descendants. There's going to be that many. And Abraham could sit there and go, wow, I'm going to have that many kids. I'm going to have, bio, in my bloodline, I'm going to have that many, and then I'm also going, if he really understood all this, I'm also going to have people according to faith that they're going to believe, and they're actually going to be my kids too, and I can't even number all of them. You know what that did? That built hope in him. It built hope that what God said was able to come to pass, and so then every time he would think on it, and then he would speak it, he would think on it, and then he would say, I am, Ab-. I could imagine it was like, I'm, I'm Abraham. Please don't ask me how many kids I have because I ain't got any. <laughs> He's the father of many nations, but don't ask me how many kids I have. To where I could see at the end this is Kentology, this is my opinion because I know how faith works. He'd come up and he'd say, I'm Abraham. How many kids do you have, Abraham? Too many to count. Where are they? You can't see them. They are there. And he was fully convinced. How do we know that? Let's keep reading. I'm like, this is, this is so good. It says, and not being weak. Now, actually, can we pull up verse 19 up there? Is that possible to pull up verse 19? <clears throat> now, I'm going to tell you this. <clears throat> Excuse me. we have a drink of water or something somewhere? <clears throat> thank you. We still say thank you at home and everything we still love each other. I'm easy to love. Okay, so <clears throat> this, this comma is actually, and I believe is in the wrong place. You understand that chapter, verse, punctuation was put in there just to make it readable. But I believe this is, this is in the wrong place. Let me show you. And it says, not, this is how it's read currently. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. I believe it should be this way. And not being weak, comma, In faith, he did not consider his own body. Because it requires being in faith, and I'll say being in hope as well. It requires being in faith to not consider your natural circumstance. And not being weak, comma, in faith, he did not consider his own body. If you are looking at something, if God has spoken something to you, here's the deal about God. He's not really interested in having us do something that is within our ability, I don't want to say it again. He's not really interested in us doing something that is within our ability. I mean, on one level, we can say, you know, God has given me the ability to do something, and, that, and that's fine. But he's always wanting us to propel, to propel us and to, and to get us to look past and be like, God, you're saying that? I can't do that. That's too big for me. It's too great for me. And he's like, awesome, don't be weak, but in faith, consider not your circumstance. You know what it means to consider? It's to ponder, it's to think, it's to look upon, it's to meditate upon. So he, he was saying that Abraham, that things worked out for Abraham because he wasn't weak, but he was in faith and did not ponder on the natural circumstances that did not have the capacity to fulfill God's promises. Instead, he focused, he considered, he pondered, he hoped in what God said in faith, and that's what caused the thing to come to pass. No wonder so many people despise faith teaching because the devil's got a hold of their ears and their heart. Listen, this this is one of the greatest things you could ever know. We're not, we're not if, if, if anybody would be the kind to just be like, I'm just just here and just a wayfaring pilgrim and I'm just going through life and, you know, by the sweet by and by, I'm going to be with Jesus someday. This doesn't mean all that much to you. But if you're like, I want to win souls, I want to see people healed, I want to see people raised from the dead, I want to reach my generation, I want to leave, leave a legacy for the following generations. I want to love people. I mean, all of the whatever, all that stuff, moving forward kind of stuff. This is where the rubber meets the road. You need this. We need this. And it says, already dead. So he didn't consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old. Now, this is when the promise actually came to pass. I think he was actually 90. We're gonna we're gonna find this out. I think he was closer to ni- 90 and she was 80, but something they rolled. And it says, since he was about a hundred years old, again, this is when it came to pass, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. So I want you to notice something here. He didn't, he didn't deny the reality of what was taking place, the facts that were in existence. He didn't deny that. Because sometimes you, you'll ask people, and it's like, uh, I, I, need you to, I need you to pray for me. Okay, what do you need prayer for? It's like, my head's not hurting. <laughs> so you want me to pray for your head that's not hurting? yes. My head is healed. And it's like they get so caught up in the lingo that they can't just come and say, hey, currently my head is under attack and it's hurting or whatever the situation is. Being in faith doesn't deny a problem exists. It denies it influence. You just get to where you're like, okay, I see the deal that's going on there, but I'm not going to allow that to influence my heart. I'm not going to allow that to influence the outcome of what God says is going to happen in my life. Hallelujah. It says, he did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. This is a a sure tale, a telltale sign, a sure way to tell if somebody that's going through something, that's dealing with something, that needs change in an area, that's believing God for his promise to come to pass, whether they are actually in faith or not, is if they are strengthened or if they are decreasing, because it says that he was strengthened Go back to verse 20, please. It says, and, uh, and he was strengthened, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. Two things I want to say about that. Number one, he was strengthened, he didn't grow weaker in faith. If you're in faith, that means you're still believing for the thing. But if you're really, truly in faith, you're going to be strengthened. Because we could be be like, you know, well, how's how's the situation coming? Oh, still believe in God, and it's like, no, you ain't. You're not. You're not believing God. You're grumbling. You're complaining. You're whining. You're upset. You're fearful. You're dreadful. All of that stuff. And I wouldn't necessarily. Well, I might say it to some people like that. Be like, no, you're not. Because they just they can handle it, maybe. But if, you're, if your heart is so over, overwhelmed, saying you're in faith doesn't make you any more in faith. It has to be a reality check. Like, you know what? I'm actually really not trusting the Lord right now. And the key, the key to getting in faith whenever you are needing something to come to pass, whenever you're needing to move forward, because some things you have control over the time, some things you don't have control over the time. It's proper to have, it's right to have proper discernment in those things. You know, if you're dealing with a a physical problem, don't be like, well, Jesus will heal me in his time. No, no, he wants you healed now. Amen. But then there's some things like you can't microwave a ministry. You know, you can't microwave your finances. You can't just make it happen overnight. Some of those things, you know, can take time. And so you have to remain in faith until you see it come to pass. And if you're believing for something, a physical thing, and it's taken, taken a while or whatever, well... Don't be discouraged by that, but, you know, just keep pressing forward. There's no problem. But it says that he was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. You know how he remained in faith and was stronger and not weaker is that he gave glory to God. When we give glory to God, we are magnifying the solution, and we, at least in our hearts, and we are shrinking the problem. You ever take a pair of binoculars and you, if you look through the little end... I think is the way it is, then what you're looking at actually appears larger. If you turn them around the other way and you look through the big end, then what you're looking at actually appears smaller. You know what you need to do? You need to look at the Lord and you need to look at your situations through the right way. You need to demagnify the problem, demagnify what factually is taking place that is a hindrance, but then you need to turn the binoculars and look at God and say, you know what, you're the only thing in my scope of vision. Because truth be told, you are the only thing that can make this promise come to pass in my life. I don't have the ability, so I'm going to quit worrying about it. I'm going to quit fretting over it. I'm going to quit trying to do it on my own strength, and I'm just going to trust you, Lord. And you know what will happen is you'll get strong that way. You, even before you see it come to pass, you'll be so strong. I heard Brother Andrew say, you'll be stronger than horseradish. I've never had horseradish, actually, before in my life. Is it strong? You got a strong taste? Okay. Yeah. So, Yeah. It's true. Amen. Let's look at the last verse here and then we'll be done. It says, in being fully convinced that what he, he had promised, he was also able to perform. Actually, now I'll go back to verse 21. I actually really don't have to say anything about that. Let me read it again so we can give it a proper amen. Actually, let's read it all together on the count of three. One, two, three. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Read it again. And being fully convinced that what he had promised... He was also able to perform. One more time. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. We're going to do it one more time with a strong emphasis on the he's. And being fully convinced that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Hallelujah. Being fully convinced. Some translations say fully persuaded. Well, if you are fully convinced or fully, fully persuaded, it means that there is no room. There's not even any space for unbelief or doubt or fear or worry or anything in there. And th- th- here's proof. Here's proof. And, and many of you will be able to relate to this in here. Here is proof that this is possible. Were any of you ever at a point in your life just after you got saved that you were because you didn't know the word, and you just maybe didn't know the Lord too well yet, that you were concerned about your salvation still after you got saved. You didn't understand the blessed assurance part of it, right? Anybody anybody in here that you were at that, let me just see show of hands, that you were at that point, you're like, oh God, I messed up. Am I really saved? Probably most everybody in here. Now, let me ask you this. Have you come to a place that even when you do mess up, even when you blow it, you think wrong thoughts, you do, whatever happens, that you're assurance of your salvation is not shaken. Let me just see a show of hands. You know why that is? Is because you have taken the truth of what God's salvation has provided for you, and you have established it so strong in your heart. There is no room, there's not any room other than to be fully convinced. You are fully convinced, so there's no room for doubt or unbelief. The exact same thing can happen if we will apply. It can happen for anything that God has promised. We can believe it that strong. Man, that's awesome. We did that with um, the word that Liz talked about here that God gave us. That he said, we haven't called you here to fail. I mean, when they tell you you don't have a job anymore. And they take everything away for seven years or uh, six years that you had worked for with the Lord and believed for. And all of a sudden, it's stripped away at a moment's notice. You know what we went back to? First of all, I started singing the song, which is why good Christian word-based music is so important. I started singing. I walked right in here, and I said, God is my refuge and my strength, a present help in time of need. He is my fortress, my deliverer, my father, my friend indeed. It's immediately what came out of me. You know, the next thing is I said, What was the promise again? <laughs> he hasn't called us here to fail. That was the next I was like, all of a sudden it left me. He has not called us here to fail. God told us that when we first moved here. I haven't called you here to fail. Don't forget that I haven't called you here to fail. And then the next thing I did was I called Ron because he wasn't there at that moment. He was he was working and I got ambushed anyways, so demonic. And he said, Well, we'll just start over. I said, all right, we'll start over. And praise God, 10 days later, God restored everything back to us anyways. But if you ever want to know why I I, I keep him really close to me, that's the reason I keep him really close to me. The Lord and Ron both. (laughs) When you walk, trust is built through relationships. And when you walk through people and they're able to just They remove all the politics out of things, and they just stand in faith and for what's true. You can walk with people like that. You can stand with people like that. Amen? Hallelujah. But we're overcomers. We are faith people, and we're going to fulfill everything that God told us we're going to fulfill. It doesn't matter what any current circumstance could ever look like, whether you're talking about this church, you're talking about your personal life, which is this church because we are a family, Amen. We're part of a body of believers. If you're hurt and bleeding, it affects the rest of the body. It's the truth. Amen. And uh, so whatever it is, we're just going to keep moving forward. God's good. He's amazing. Hallelujah. If God is changing your life through this ministry, join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. If you would like to give or would like more information on how we are making a difference, visit ociparibow.com.